Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And a returning James Diamond. Hello. Uh, we've, we've got rid of Carol. Uh, we tra- <laughs> I, we tra- this, this podcast treats women like I treat women. You, you, oh, God. We, we use them for two weeks, and as soon as they start getting comfortable, we bin them off. <laughs> Oh God. No, no. <laughs> at least Steve, Steve was just saying that's how he treats women he's just being honest um, I'm, I'm only I'm, I'm assuming there's some shame in his treatment of women I'm, there as well I would hope I'm so I'm only joking Carol you are welcome back anytime but I'm not joking about how I treat women <laughs> oh my god is it just start as we need to go on I guess yeah. we'll start as we have been Again, going like on say, it, yeah, that's you, you will notice that me and Owen are the only ones on the podcast who actually kind of have we've got women who put up with us, unlike Steve. I don't want them to put up with me. I can't <laughs> literally just there. said I don't think they would. I don't think they would. And, I, and I'm still the single one out of the three of us, so I'm still the most attractive option. <laughs> well, the By most default. available for me right now. <laughs> By default, the sweetest word in the English language. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, on to actual film matters. Uh, yes. And I'm 1-0 up in the quiz. Yes, I know. quiz has been going quite nicely in my absence. You all enjoyed Movie 43 then. I didn't have a chance to chat to you. Well, about Steve, movie. again, cheated. I know. I'm, Unbelievable. I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted, Steve. It's like I'm being extra punished, and I don't know what I've yeah. done to deserve it. I think no. it's just... Um, I suppose if, I did make you watch if, Transformers. If, if there was a narrative to Movie 43... I would have watched the whole thing. There's a narrative to the final member. There's massive <laughs> narrative to the final member. And it's still on Netflix UK for anyone to watch whenever they want, including you, Steve. Anyway, that, was, that was at least interesting. Movie 43 yes. was just... It had a narrative, but it was just... Terrible. Fucking... I can't believe I went to see it in the cinema. I still I cannot believe God. I paid money to watch that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Steve's one nil up. Um, Owen's getting outside help from our, our good friend Paul oh, to yeah. uh, he he's trying he's trying to deliver some ammunition to Owen, but <laughs> Owen needs to win the damn thing first. Um, me, I'm start. I'm, I actually felt a bit guilty about movie forty three. I, I genuinely felt a bit guilty, and I'm starting to think that my next choice a I, I'm struggling to think how I'd top that in terms of a terrible film um, that's widely available. Um, but B, I'm starting to think next time I I might pull back from the brink. I might take us away from. I might try and thaw the Cold War going on, but that's a long way off at this point. Yeah, well, you say that now after you've yeah. you movie 43 to us. <laughs> I'm pressing the. What's coming, yeah? I'm pressing the big red button. <laughs> oh God! 
But yes, yes. So this week's, um, yeah, this week. Okay, I am, uh, and there is to give you a very small clue at the beginning. I am avoiding a series of films unless you turn out to be useless at getting it in which case i'll start introducing the series of films however the first one i'm going to give you is ransom what year was ransom made 1996 nick cage no no seems like a nick cage title okay uh, in 1998, Phantoms. No idea. Okay, 1999, The Hurricane. That was a cartoon about a five-a-side team, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> not this particular. I believe this one was about a boxer, uh, I believe. Well, like the song by... Um, what's his name? I can't remember the song, but there's a there's a song called "The Hurricane of Bite a Boxer." Oh, it probably is then. Yeah, it might be Bob Dylan. Okay. Not not my guess for the answer. The no. person who sung that song. <laughs> okay, in uh, 2000, he appeared in an adaptation of Hamlet. In 2001, uh, sorry, 2002, he was in The Sum of All Fears. Living the sum of all things. Mm. Steve. Yes. No, I think I got the wrong one, but I'm going to have to make a <laughs> guess now. Ben Affleck. No, it's not Ben Affleck. No. In 2004, the remake of The Manchurian Candidate. Owen. I thought, I thought ben, that. Denzel Owen. Washington, maybe. No. No. I've... No, but he was also in The Hurricane. Uh, oh, okay. In 2006, the remake of The Omen. Um, See, Owen's probably seen this. I have seen this. I'm trying I to think it. what is... He's in the fucking Omen. Oh, my God. <laughs> in 2008, Defiance. Oh, that was the one in the... Um, who was that? <laughs> oh, I, know, I know that one. That was the, that oh, was the, that was the World War Two one in the woods, wasn't it? Like in that is Eastern, correct. Eastern, yeah, Eastern, I will confirm that. Craig David. Uh, what, not Daniel Craig. Craig <laughs> David. That would have been brilliant. Can I get a rewind? Yeah. Uh, who was in that? It's Daniel Craig. It's obviously not him. Yeah. There was some actual foreign bloke as one of the brothers, and then there was another one, and I can't remember who it was. In 2009, he was in X Men Origins Wolverine. Steve. Ryan Reynolds? Yes, Steve. Oh. It's not Jamie Bell, is it? Nope. No. And it's not Owen's guess either, which I would have accepted as a second choice guess the... there. Yeah, I'm going to have another guess. I don't think I've seen X-Men already. It... Whatever. It... I've what, not. It's, what's his name? Who played um, the hairy fella? Oh, was it? Leave, Leave Schreiber. Correct. Yes. <laughs> From God. movie 43. Yeah. I, uh, I thought and... Leave Schreiber when I heard the fights and I thought he was not in it. <laughs> yes, Lee Schreiber, who is in um the reason I chose he was in this week's um last ghosts of last days of Mars or something like that, but that, I that's not got good, it looks that's, terrible. That's not got good reviews, has it? Yeah. So in lieu of a review of that, we had a quiz about Lee Schreiber instead. Wow. Enjoy. Well well <laughs> done us. It was a tough one. I thought I'd, I couldn't come back with an easy one, could I have? What was the series that you said you were you were uh, Scream. Scream. He's in all three Scream films. I wouldn't have guessed that. Ah, okay. 
I'm a big Scream Isn't fan. Isn't there four so. Scream films? Or is there more than that now? No, I kind of avoid... That's a scary movie, isn't it, that's gone? No, there is... There, Scream 4 was out a few years yeah. back, and it wasn't... It wasn't great. Yeah. I, I, I like to think of it as the original trilogy. Yeah. And I, and I do like all three of them as well, even Scream 3, which I know a lot of people... I, I thought that's when it got quite meta about Hollywood, and it was just very, very tongue-in-cheek. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, anyway, yeah, that that's the quiz. Well done, Owen. One all. Excellent. Um, so on to some news. I suppose the only real news is how how badly the Raid 2 seems to have done at various Vox offices. Yeah, obviously we're, we're reviewing it later on today, so I'm not going to give too much away in terms of how we thought what we thought about it. But yeah, it was really interesting because I saw a tweet from Scott Weinberg, um, who is a an excellent critic and a vociferous uh, tweeter, um, and he was talking about the the very very underwhelming opening of the raid two over the weekend uh well it's opening weekend in america where it's taken less than a million dollars on 954 screens which uh compared to uh the original film which took five thousand dollars more on about 70 less screens so despite the fact that word of mouth is there this should be a franchise that people are more aware of and clearly there's been a huge marketing budget with it because i've seen adverts for it everywhere mm. um and i and i'm assuming it's the same in america as it has been here it's actually opened less uh than the original film which is which is what well, you know as a one-off you go do you know what Maybe it's just foreign language films, uh, as I think um, Matt Lamborn pointed out when we were chatting about it earlier. Um, Captain America had opened a couple of weeks ago, and if people are only going to go and see one film in the month, that's the one they'll probably go and see, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but this comes on the back of Sabotage's $5.2 million opening weekend on over nearly 2,500 screens, which, again, very, very poor opening weekend for that, which is another um r-rated action film basically and dread you know we still keep going on about how dread massively underperformed at the box office because just idiots out there didn't go and see it that was a 2.3 million uh opening weekend on on two and a half thousand screens that was twice as bad as sabotage um why why is this happening what why are um you know because i will just say these bad openings aren't necessarily symptomatic of bad films for a start. Um, but what, why is this happening? It's um, as you've touched on, I think it's uh, the fact they've got subtitles and, you know, it's an 18 rated film. So that automatically mm. narrows down the number of people who are going to see it in, from two different yeah. angles, doesn't it? I mean, you've got your people who won't go and see a film if it's got subtitles and people yeah. who are excluded from um, seeing 18 rated films. So, mm. yeah. Although in America, um, rated R does mean that as long as an adult has paid for a ticket, you can go along. A bit like R12A, but mm. with a higher. Um, anyone 17 and under can come in with a Guardian, um, which is why they're all desperate to avoid the NC17 rating. That's the other weird thing is we've got 15 and 18. Yeah. But um, some of these rated R films, it wouldn't surprise me if Sabotage ended up being a 15 and over here, for example, and it's R rated there. But one one thing I did, I, I was doing some research on um, Box Office Mojo, which I absolutely love to just spend time on. It was quite interesting. Wolf of Wall Street, I know it's a bit different, but that was an R rated film and three hours long as well. Um, 
three and uh, two and a half thousand screens that kind of opened to nearly 20 million weird hansel and gretel witch hunters was an r-rated film that actually did rather well uh on opening weekend about 15 million um bad grandpa did well movie 43 okay going back to movie 43 made twice as much per screen on its opening weekend as the raid 2 did um the counselor even made its money back uh that was an r-rated one as well um so and horror films i think they're kind of yeah they they tend to do quite well they're, they're, yeah. they've got a lot of fan base haven't yeah, they exactly. but comedies also and it almost seems to work in favor for a comedy if it's an r-rated comedy it kind of says well this is going to have some good stuff because it's r-rated you know this new seth rogan film bad neighbors or something hmm. i keep i've seen a few trailers for that's an r-rated film that, for example. that looks that's gonna, that looks quite good actually does look quite good yeah um but that's good that's all right so i think some films don't aren't suffering but as i as i mentioned on the football 365 forum earlier today look i had a quick look at my dvd cases and uh, just very quickly die hard one and two predator and face off okay so three very different action stars um all of them certificate films now and um and how many of those would be a Certificate 18 film these days? Well, None what, of do, what do you mean? Would be made to be an 18? Would be made to be an 18. Back then, well, the studio well, didn't well, care if it was an 18. Well, the studio went, it's an 18, fine. I was say, obviously, Die Hard wouldn't, because 4 and 5 haven't been. So Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, but I mean, you, you, do, you do get the, the bigger budget ones that are still able to make 18. So when we've talked about Scorsese and you get Tarantino and people like that who seem to be allowed to do it. They're still kind of, I I, I think what it is, they're quite art house and they don't spend a huge amount of money. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that that's but, a big, Scorsese gets a blank check to do whatever he wants. But, but they've also probably got a gravitas where they can just go, well, I'm making this film an 18 or I'm, yeah. I'm not making it or I'll go to a different studio that will let me exactly. make it an 18. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Scorsese can do that. Tarantino can, and there's a guaranteed fan base for them out there because yeah. they have they have, their name has a certain cachet. But where where are the potential um, predators, commandos, uh, Paul Verhoeven <laughs> films like uh, uh, Basic Instinct? Even you know, I, I, what I do find quite interesting is that we are quite happy to have. Um, well, th- this is something that's been bugging me. I didn't realise the original Taken also had a PG-13 rating. After I ranted about Taken 2 going down the um, the kind of let's tempt children into the cinema route to see this kind of... Uh, I-, I found that really... Yeah, Taken. The original Taken's a really nasty film. A really, really nasty film. And I, I quite enjoyed it because it was a-, a pulpy action film. But that had a PG-13 rating. And um, very recently, Blue is the Warmest Colour, for example, got an NC-17 rating in America. And I couldn't help thinking, which of these would I least like my 13, 14-year-old child to see? And it has to be taken because it's a fucking horrible film. Um, and it's it's a, it's. I, I just worry. Uh, and, and I just wanted to raise this because... I, I'm not sure I've got any answers, but the fact that I think adult action films are becoming, they're having to lower their budgets because they're not going to make as much money at the cinema. And I like to see these films at cinema. And another good point Matt made when we were chatting was that there is a real market for these at home as dread proof, mm. dread, fantastic um, home DVD and Blu-ray sales, which is great. Um, but I like to see these films in the cinema. One of the best, that, when I saw the original raid, I came out thinking, I can't believe I've seen it in the cinema. That's fantastic. That was like 
I, that was like what I missed out when John Woo films were being made in the early 90s and I couldn't go and watch them in a the cinema. I ended up watching them on kind of videos, uh, gutted that I'd never seen them in a cinema. And we are getting to the state. I, I just worry that we're not making any adult action films anymore. And I think that's that's a real concern. I don't think that the market is the same anymore. I mean, you mm-hmm. just no, uh, when you right. were when you were younger and you were watching yeah. John John Woo films on VHS. And I remember when I was younger and it was like Arnie films and stuff. You know, like Predator and Commando. They're yeah. they're film when when you were well certainly when I was younger, it was kind of like a badge of honor to watch an 18 mm. rated action film. It was like a thing that you boasted about to your mates mm. that you know, oh, I've just watched this really violent um action film here you go you can borrow it and it's mm. i don't think that culture really um exists in the same way anymore i reckon it was easier to sneak into an 18 when like die hard and predator first come out as well oh and do you know what there's also the fact that you had to that and maybe that's the difference you actually had to go to the cinema to watch these films because um videos weren't cheap you know obviously you know kind of as as the late 80s early 90s came about yeah they would come out on video eventually they wouldn't be shown on tv for years but these days with the fact that do you know what regardless of your age you can probably download a, a cam version well, yeah, I suppose before, on the day of release I mean, before, <laughs> before sky came along i mean even now terrestrial telly probably has to wait at least a year after a film's been released mm. in cinema to get it it was probably longer before Sky came along. I mean, it's gone Sky box office mm. within three or four months, probably on mm. Sky, you know, Sky's general service six months after yeah. it's been in the cinema. But if you, if you only had terrestrial TV before Sky yeah. become more popular, you're probably going to have to wait two years for it to come onto telly so you can actually see it. Mm. Mm. That's right. So you're right, maybe, no, yeah, I think you're right, Owen and Steve. Uh, it's a different market out there. But what's happening is what we're getting in the cinema is this kind of amorphous blob where everyone is aiming for the 12A certificate because they know that that gets them access to. And I'm not. I think the 12A certificate has got its use. It wasn't um, the original. The original Batman film was that the reason mm. we invented 12A was because kids wanted to. We wanted teenagers to be able to go and see a dark comic book film. It's one of the Batman films, yeah. isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I can kind of understand that as well for The Dark Knight, which is quite a hard 12A, but a 12A. Um, I, I, I understand that. I just think it's... I, And again, maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe it's just because I haven't moved on or anything like that. But I do I do think we're potentially missing out on some, some great cinema that I remembered loving growing up and that isn't necessarily here. And the other issue I've got about the raid's poor opening is that how many other really good kind of um, potentially foreign movies, especially from that area of the world, you know, not just Indonesia, but uh, Korea, Japan, um, Hong Kong. How many of how many great films there aren't even going to get a Western cinematic release yeah. now? Because companies will look at the Raid 2 and go, well, if we can't even sell the Raid 2, yeah. how are we going to sell something I mean- that people have heard of it it is disappointing that it's made less than the raid made and it's been marketed a hell of a lot more but at the same time do do the box office opening weekend figures take into account all the people who would have seen it on previous screenings because they did quite a lot of those in the especially in the uk although the original raid did four weeks of preview screenings and this one only did three weeks of preview screens so the original one actually had another week of previews beforehand wow 
it, it's I, I, the only other difference I can think is the original raid was 90 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, well 100 minutes, and this one is two and a half hours, and maybe that maybe yeah. that put a few people off as well. Um, we'll we'll talk about the raid two later and whether or not you should go and watch it. <laughs> you should. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it was just it, it. It's interesting for me because I, I do think the action, the action genre has been pretty lackluster of the last of the last decade compared to the two decades before. I think the action genre has been pretty poorly served by Hollywood uh, in the last ten years. And and is it because people don't want those films, or is it just because they don't think people want those films? Well, you get films like okay. G.I. Joe and they're directed by people who've done, you know, Justin Bieber documentaries. And that's kind yeah. of, <laughs> that's the sort yeah. of director that's involved. Exactly. In yeah, no, that's true. I started watching, um, uh, and I've only seen 15 minutes of it. Yeah, I've only imagined, but a John Milius documentary, which is on Netflix. Um, uh, the guy who did Conan and who wrote Apocalypse Now and who wrote bits of Jaws and stuff like that. And actually, yeah, where are uh, people like John Milius? Where are people like uh, John McTiernan? Mm. Um, where are those just hard, grizzled action directors who just want to make action films? Um, there are maybe a couple. They're... I mean, obviously there there's couple... Gareth Ed- yeah. Evans and you've got um, yeah. Peter Holmes, you know, and yeah. uh, people like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the same anymore, is it? Maybe I'm just... Um, in the in the same week that i've been enjoying Britpop and going well no one makes music like that Mm. anymore maybe this is exact maybe this is the action movie version in in my opinion with music there's nothing worth listening to after the arctic monkey second album i don't i don't care i've got all the music (laughs) after after that i've got you know music from that point and before has given me all the music i'm ever going to need I don't need anything new. I agree, I agree with you, but swap Arctic Monkeys for Cooler Shaker. And, uh, yeah, I'm all over that as well. <laughs> I can't be bothered to keep up with new bands. No. No. Anyway, that's, uh, there we that's, go. Action, that's action films done. Uh, after, and grumpy old men. <laughs> after, this, after this break, we will have... A what we've been watching. Uh, what we've been watching then, where we take a look at the films we have watched over the last week or so. Um, Owen, why don't you start us off? Yeah, okie dokie. I re-watched um, a film that I know we quite like on the podcast anyway. But I, I want to give it a bit more love anyway, because I think it's still fairly underrated. And that's Tropic Thunder from 2008 with um, mm-hmm. Ben Stiller, who uh, directed, wrote and starred in it. And you've got... Uh, Jack Black, uh, Jay Baruchel, I think you put. Yeah, that's sure. what I'm going with. Yeah, yeah, you know Steve From Coogan's this is the in end. it. I know. Yeah. yeah, that's him. Yeah, Steve Coogan's in it. You've got Matthew McConaughey in it as well. Tom Cruise, of oh, course. Oh God, I forgot and, that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the star I think is Robert Downey Jr., who yeah. plays Kirk Lazarus, um, an Australian actor who. Not just blacks up for a role. I mean, he has pigment surgery, altering yeah. surgery. And I think it's just such a brilliant stand-up of the whole kind of industry and how... Yeah. But it's obviously a spoof on Daniel Day-Lewis, isn't it? I mean, the, yeah. the lengths that he went to for some of his roles, spending yeah. six months here and whatever. 
it's it's mixed in with a bit of Russell Crowe with the Antipodean arrogance. Yeah. I think I always got yeah. that. I I always assumed he was Antipodean purely because of Russell Crowe, the best fucking actor <laughs> in the world. That's right. Yeah. So it's a very it's a very very funny film. Um, the story to it is quite it's it's not clever clever, but it's a very um different sort of comedy to to a lot of other big budget american comedies at the moment you know except for things like um this is the end which we've talked about as well mm. in the past which is i think surprisingly enjoyable i wasn't expecting to like it and i, I kind of laughed my way through it all yeah um but i like ben stiller as a director anyway i think he's made some good comedies you know mm. um the, the secret life of walter mitty which we watched oh, I really last year. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. And another one that I was surprised to um, to enjoy quite a bit. Um, but that's more of a more of an indie comedy drama type yeah. film anyway. Um, but of course, you it, know, did he direct Mystery Men? Because that was terrible. I don't know if he directed Mystery oh, okay. Men, but that was terrible. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the DVDs that I did send Paul um, when yeah. we did our challenge, and uh, I don't think he thanked me for that one. But <laughs> he did cable guy obviously and the, the one i think is the the most uh fun i've had with any of his films is zoolander which i've seen mm. countless times and i know it's stupid i know it's immature i know it's puerile i love zoolander it's yeah. funny it's very funny yeah, um zoolander's brilliant it's got good performances in it you know yeah good comedic performances and it's very good so the tropic thunder kind of carries on that um it's another one though i thought maybe on a rewatch i'd think it wasn't so good uh, I did watch before. I watched um, Fellini's Eight and a Half, mm-hmm. which is you know one of these sight and say yeah, top ten films. It. Yeah. No, and I, I kind of appreciated it, but at the same time it was one I found a bit of a slog. I kind of had to overcome the challenge of watching it, if you like, rather than mm-hmm. than enjoying yeah. it all. Um, it's that sort of nouveau cinema that doesn't really doing much for me anyway but then i watched topic thunder and i thought you know what sometimes movies they're just they're just meant to entertain and that's what tropic thunder does i I was more entertained by tropic thunder than eight and a half and that's probably gonna annoy some listeners but yeah it's a small minority a small minority (laughs) i I, I haven't even seen eight and a half but I can get, I, I can understand where you're coming I've, from. I've, I've decided that while there might be some good films on the sight and sound lists, you know, if if you think one of those films are the best films of all time, you don't enjoy films. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like most of them on that list. I genuinely think Vertigo is one of the best films of all time, Steve. I'm well, sorry. Vertigo is, yeah, Vertigo is the exception <laughs> to the rule. There's one Space Odyssey. You've got. Um, Passion of Joan of Arc. I love both of those films. Um, yeah, but no, no. So what I'm saying is, if you if you were to draw <laughs> up your list of like your best five films ever, yeah. If if more yeah. than if three or more are in like a sight and sound top ten, then you don't yeah. enjoy cinema. You're you're just a pretentious ass. Do you know? <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think that if. I honestly do think that if those lists weren't then, if people's votes weren't then published in the back of that magazine and that it was a secret ballot, I think the list would look a little bit different. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. That's that's all, yeah. Anyway, carry on, Owen. 
So, yeah, I mean, basically all I was going to say anyway was that, um, you know, I just think it's a very funny film and don't be put off by the fact it's directed by Ben Stiller, as I know some people um, some people might be. I think it's a very funny film. Obviously, it's got a great performance uh, from most of its cast. Tom Cruise, especially, I think, is just mm. one of the strangest roles I've seen him play. Uh, yeah. But also, I think it's just, yeah, I love the little trailers at the beginning for the fake yeah. movies, the sort of fake trailers. I always love fake movie trailers. As yeah. they, it's, it's it's a nice, easy joke, but done well, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, I, it is really done well in that. It is. Uh, and you were mentioning, I, and the Downey Jr. performance is kind of, it's after the first Iron Man, but yeah. it's quite early in his current career renaissance, which means he can pretty much do anything he wants to now. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it, you watch and go, God, that's why that's why people want to work with Robert Downey Jr. He, he's yeah. utterly brilliant. He is. He is. He's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a really enjoyable, entertaining, spoofy, sort of clever and meta um, comedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Um, hang on, Steve. You sound like you're underwater or something. Sorry. It's a Darth Vader impression then. Yeah. Okay now. I except you're really quiet. Uh, okay. That's weird. Uh, Owen, is he really quiet very, to you as well? Yeah. I don't know yeah. Hello. Mm. Still very very quiet, Steve. You've gone a bit louder. I honestly don't know. Everything setting wise is the same. That's a bit better. And <laughs> I can't. If if I get any closer, there, you're fine it. now, Steve. Yeah. You, you're fine now. If I, yeah. if I get any closer to my laptop, I will be in your room. <laughs> it, oh dear. That, that's sexual. <laughs> I like. Um, right. Okay. Uh, quick silence, and then Steve, go on with it. But James, uh, what have you been watching this week? Okay, I've been watching a lot of stuff since I was last on here. Actually, I've, I've made some, I've made a couple more moves on my um, uh, around the world native films. Still slow going, but uh, I watched uh, A Bittersweet Life uh, as recommended mm. by Owen, Excellent. and really, really enjoyed it. Great Korean gangster film. Um, which the reason I watched it is because um, in Owen's very, very quick small preview of The Raid Two. He said that uh, the Raid 2 was like a bit of Sweet Life meets the Raid, so I thought I'd better watch a bit of Sweet Life. And I can really, we'll talk about the Raid 2 later, but I can really see where you were coming from there, Owen, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, so that was a really, really enjoyable film. But the one I want to talk about, I watched a couple of weeks ago, was, is Under the Skin, the new film from Jonathan Glazer. Um, loosely adapted from the Michelle Faber novel of the same name. It's about a mysterious female alien who stalks. Uh, Scotland, um, both sexually and otherwise preying on men. Uh, you could call it Johansson who fell to earth because it sounds a bit like man. Uh, that's, that's, Does it? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't say it. But Johansson who fell to earth. Say it again. Johansson who fell to earth. One more time. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm going on leave soon, so my labour puns are close to their use by date, so that's right, why that, I need yeah. that one out there. Um, 
Uh, what I will say, I was really looking forward to this film. Uh, I missed it in Glasgow because it was on the day after I left. Um, not only due to its star, I do like Scarlett Johansson, and its director, Jonathan Glazer, um, but also the reputation that it gathered, uh, one of being a very difficult and challenging film that had led to a number of walkouts. And I always see that as a... Uh, it always makes me go, right, I need to see that film. There's been a lot of walkouts. So, because uh, I've never walked out of a film. I thought, you know, I, I just... I can't. I can't bring myself to walk out of a film or leave a football match early. I just don't don't understand it, don't get it. Um, however, my good friend, uh, Nathan Human, um, who I do the... Uh, Nath, uh, the diamondandhuman.com podcasts with uh, diamondandhuman.com just on, get that on, out there you do, you, do other, <laughs> you do another podcast I do, I do two podcasts with Nathan well, what, what um, are these ones about? Uh, what, what, we're actually doing one this week about film but it's totally different to this one uh, totally just totally different to this so. one yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the other, it's a music one, Steve. And as well, we know you you don't think there's any good music anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, I just uh, don't need any more music. Okay, you don't yeah. need any more music. Okay, but yeah, no, yeah, you should check out uh, diamondandhuman.com, Steve. It's, it's an interesting site to um, look at. www.bornoffside.net. <laughs> and also, if you want to hear my statistical musings on football, uh, www.squawker.com. Uh, is there a particular use, uh, writer or username they lo- need to look for yeah, on just, Squawk? Just look for me. Just look for Steve Norman. Yeah. Oh, and anything you want to plug? Um, your your work or anything? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. No, okay, good. Right. You, <laughs> you, you need to get a hobby if this is all you're doing, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, I haven't got anything. I'm that sad. Yeah. This is the only oh. podcast. I- Not sad, I'm loyal. This, that's what I mean. I'm loyal. Okay. Yeah. This is the only yeah. one for me. Um, anyway, so Nathan came to see it with me, and he was gone by the hour mark. Um, <laughs> Aaron, he just turned to me and went, "Shit, I can't stand any more of this," and walked. Um, <laughs> wow. so, yeah, that was in- uh, what I will say. It it did start off as a very interesting film. I, I, I did throughout the film, especially at the beginning. I really liked the use of um, sound, lighting. Um, very interesting to look at some very stark shots and beautiful shots of the the highlands um the problem is it had no extra gear from there um you know so after 20 25 minutes i'm like okay this is good what's going to happen now then um oh and it was just um and i had a debate with a few people on twitter that night because it's very well liked um mm. by people who've seen it very very well liked by a lot of the people that i converse with on twitter who are people that whose opinion i trust and clearly they no longer trust mine but um <laughs> i'll be honest I'm, i i think i'm just very much in the uh the camp of enjoying cinema as a storytelling medium rather than an artistic medium and i'm not saying that a film can't be both and i'm not saying that's the rule 100 percent of the time i absolutely loved holy motors and i really enjoyed um barbarian sound studio uh only god forgives which were certainly straddling those two stalls uh if not kind of being completely outright art films um but you didn't like stoker incidentally just in my but i didn't like stoker but i liked that uh, i watched that recently and i really liked it 
Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I missed the podcast. Uh, did you talk about it on the podcast? I don't, I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't think no, I talked no, about it on the podcast, just on Twitter. But um, that actually, that actually did have a story. I just found the story so incredibly boring and tedious <laughs> and ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't want to get involved with it. So yeah, that was a different one. That was that's that's the rare example of the film that which I appreciated more for its visual uh, and oral elements uh, and everything else. I got really annoyed by. But I, I, yeah, generally. Um, I'd rather watch a blandly shot film with a gripping story than an incredibly good-looking film with no plot to speak of. That's just how I am. Um, and talking about that John Milius documentary I saw the very beginning of, he said he doesn't really, as a director, he doesn't really consider how a colour contrast might represent something in film. He's just from a Homeric tradition of storytelling, and that's that's kind of why I like film. Um, I see it just as a, another way for us to tell stories. Whereas, and I completely get the other side of the story, which is actually, you know, we've got, we've had films, we've had plays. What's different about film? What does film do differently from all the other mediums? And a lot of people appreciate what film does differently. And I get that. I just, I'm just from a different, yeah. You know, I find things a bit more enjoyable the way I like to see them. Um, and what I will say is this film actually for me it felt like an idea that jonathan glaze well it's based on a book from 2000 if i didn't know that i would have thought it was an idea that jonathan glazer had for a radiohead film around the time of okay computer and then he just stretched that idea into a two-hour film that's what it felt like a two-hour radiohead documentary without the radiohead music um there's some really striking images in there. There's some secret camera recording at, the, at quite near the beginning where Scarlett Johansson is driving a van, a white transit van around Glasgow, and just took, and they secretly recorded people. She pulls up and talks to people, and they secretly recorded that and inserted that into the film. I thought it was quite interesting, but but just in the end, the whole film didn't hold together for me at all. Um, I think some people might describe elements of it as Lynchian. Other people have described it like Terence Malick's, um, not to the wonder, the one that everyone... Tree of Life? Oh, what, Tree of Life, yes. Um, yeah, Like I said, there were, for, for the week afterwards, there were bits that I remembered and thought, that looked fantastic. I don't know what it meant, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, it is one of those... And, you know, I was thinking, I think this is one of those films that when it eventually turns up on Netflix and I eventually win a quiz again. <laughs> I think this is a film that I'm going to make. Not because I think it's a terrible film. I just think it's it's a difficult, challenging film, and I, I want to hear other people's opinion of it. So I, I'm certainly not saying you shouldn't go and see it, but if don't expect it to be an easy ride, and don't expect it to make much sense, or even leave you at the end going, well, I know what happened there. But some people will... Some people have loved it, so... I just not for me. Okay. And I don't. That sounds weird. Oh, it's not for me. Oh, I don't like this kind of modern arty films. This one just didn't pull together for me, which is a shame because I really wanted to like it. Okay. Uh, the film I saw this week was the film Owen reviewed last week, and that is Snowpiercer. <coughs> James is not seeing this until it comes out in the cinema. In about five years' time, and yeah. James will never ever. <laughs> I just want to watch it on a decent. I want to watch it in a decent resolution with a good sound system and with the subtitles all in place. That's that's all I, I want. I didn't have the subtitles how I watched it, and I don't really think I needed them. I think I just understood really the yeah. what was going on, um, because it is. Uh, it's, it's a Korean film based on a French graphic novel, but 80% of it is in English. 
Is that right, Owen, or more or less? Yeah, I would probably say it's about 90, 90 I, to 95% English. I think I, I think I read somewhere it was 80% in English, so um, yeah, I, I'm not one to question the written word. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to go for it. That's a good argument. I might try that with uh, stuff at work. Oh, can't yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I can't really say too much because I don't want to ruin it for James when he does eventually get around to seeing it. Um, but like I said, Owen reviewed it last week. It is, stars Chris Evans of uh, Captain America and Avengers fame, not Radio 2 Breakfast Show fame. <laughs> uh, also, James Bell, Ed Harris, and some other people whose names I probably can't pronounce. Um, it is your kind of... The world has ended somehow, or kind of civilization has ended, and the surviving members are on a train for some reason that just keeps constantly <laughs> travelling around it. That's never really explained, is it? In well, the it, kind of, it is, I think. <laughs> At the start, the, 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 the expert... Is it the bit where... Was it the bit in subtitles? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit at the start which explains that um, to combat the problem of global warming, scientists... Yeah, I got, said I, no, yeah, I got that bit, and, and they've done this, but then it cooled the planet right down and, yeah. and froze it all... I didn't get why they were specifically on a train and, and why the train was the kind of court solve, to solve the problem. But anyway, on the tra- on the train, as as in any kind of any walk of life, there is a class divide. So there you've got the people right at the bottom with nothing, and the people right at the top with everything. And the story is revolves around uh, Chris Evans' character leading a revolution um, against the, the haves, and they are obviously the have-nots. Um, it's kind of got a bit of a, a, a feel like the raid or dread to me, because mm. in 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 those films they're in, in a tower block and they're going up each block level by level or floor by floor. Mm-hmm. In this one they're doing a similar kind of thing, but they're going carriage by carriage. Yeah. So it's got that kind of feel. There's different things to combat at every different level. And there is a certain action scene that is it's similar to the raid, I thought. You know, there's a real, a carriage full of all these these bad guys, if you like, and it's yeah, it, it's a really good action scene. Yeah, and it's it's done quite cleverly. The action scenes, mm. it, it's different. It never feels like you're just watching the same action scene over and over and over again. Mm. Um, but the, the the plot is is good. It's, it's probably not the best thing about it, but it is it is good and it does work. Um, the performances are generally generally very good. Um, it's just a shame that it's not really doesn't seem to be really getting a general release here. So yeah, I know it's a Korean-made film, but it's got a lot of kind of big names in it, and enough big names that you think it would be able to carry it to a kind of uh, at least a kind of minimal cinematic release in the UK. And there's a lot of people going to miss quite a very good film because it's just not available. Um, because I think Owen ordered it from Amazon France, didn't you? Yeah, I bought a Blu-ray from France. I mean, it cost me 25 is... quid. It is it is available on Nubaroom. I'm, I'm, if it's not if it's not available in England by any legal means, I'll tell you it's available on Nubaroom. Um, go there and watch it because you know no one in England wants you to. So you know um, what? I, yeah. I normally I, I kind of don't like promoting films piracy. You know I just personally yeah. I'm, you know nothing against people want to do it. It's nothing, yeah. You're never going to be able to stop people doing it. So you know it's not I'm not getting upset over it or losing sleepless nights. 
Um, but at the same time, you're right. It's if it's not being released here, and part of the reason it's not being released is because um, the distributors are, and Harvey Weinstein in particular is kicking up a fuss with the director, telling him he needs to change things in his own film before he'll distribute it. Then sod him. You might as well. Yeah. No. No one in England seems seems to you know of any kind of power and influence seems you to want want to you to watch this film. So do it the hooky way and go on Noob Room and watch it because it's worth watching. Yeah. I mean you won't. But then if it gets released over here, do pay for it. (laughs) Yeah. And don't watch anything else on Noob Room either. Watch it in a legitimate manner, uh, of course. Um, But obviously you won't have the subtitles there. But I don't think you really need them, do you? I think. The two the two Korean kind of characters that speak in Korean um, do a good enough performance that you don't really need to understand what they're saying. You can convey their they convey their kind of emotions and what's going on quite yeah. well anyway. And and it never seems that integral to the plot kind of the bits you're missing by not having the subtitles. No, I mean I watched it with subtitles in French and I could kind of. I'm not fluent in French by any means, but I can sort of work out what it is they're saying. And most of the stuff they do say is repeated back by the American characters or English characters in there. Yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm glad you said you liked um, the performances, by the way, because Song Kang-ho is the guy I... He's one of my favourite actors at the minute. I think here, man, you've got Mads Mikkelsen as well and people like that. I really enjoy watching the work and Song Kang-ho is, is fantastic. I absolutely love the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good film all round. It's, if you like kind of end of the worldy dystopian future kind of films, you'll like this. Um, you know, it, it look it looks quite good as well. There are a couple of kind of CGI scenes that do do look a bit cheap, but other than that, it does look very good. Um, yeah, it's a bit and, like Elysium, isn't it? It's a similar sort of setup to Elysium, but on yeah, obviously much lower lower budget yeah yeah and i probably i see i'd probably prefer it to elysium as well or definitely Mm. prefer it to elysium Mm. um so yes try your best to watch that um by whatever means necessary and that's all for what we've been watching we'll have a break and then we'll be on to our new release reviews which is the quiet ones and the raid 2 For our new release reviews, first one up is The Quiet Ones. James and Owen, what did you think of it? Yeah, it's. I will say, um, I, I went to see this purely because I had a, a quiet... It's not... I don't stay away from horror films, but I don't tend to gravitate to them like Owen might do, for example. Um, I, in fact, I'm going to leave it up to Owen to introduce... <laughs> Let's say what the film's about, because um, he is more of our horror expert. Hi, okie dokie. And I did talk about um, The Woman in Black on the last mm. podcast, which, of yes, course, he is did, yeah. the first film in Hammer Horrors, uh, or Hammer, as they just called now, their revival. Um, so mm-hmm. The Quiet Ones is their follow-up to that. And I kind of, I'll admit, um, the trailer for The Quiet Ones didn't leave me wanting desperately to see it mm-hmm. um it seems a bit more like it's the same sort of thing uh in in the sense that it's a lot of jump scares so mm. here we've got a paranormal investigating uh, academic at oxford mm. uh, university 
And he... Although interestingly, I thought quite a nice twist that he's not a para- he's he's investigating someone showing the symptoms of paranormal activity. Right, yeah, he's yeah. Or, he's he's a scientific skeptic and he thinks it's exactly. it's uh, like manifestations of the mind. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. He's trying... Which is which I thought was because cool, I'll be honest, I didn't see anything about this. I just it was 90 minutes and it fitted into my time frame and all I knew it was an, was it was another hammer film mm. and so i didn't see the trailer or anything oh and i knew jared harris was in it as well and i do like jared he harris, was so, absolutely yeah. brilliant in this i yeah. think he he was the perfect embodiment of a modern hammer horror character i do, you, I, do you know what i was uh, while i was watching it i thought the, he's he's a modern he's being a modern day vincent price here yes. I, I i just he, he just brought to mind vincent price to me um which I suppose is when you're doing a Hammer film, that's one of the highest yeah. kind of uh, <laughs> elements of praise you can give someone. But he was definitely a kind of class above. He was. He was just brilliant. I think he um, he just nailed the role, really. Mm. Um, he uh, was great. I thought the, the support cast were good as well, actually. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, um, uh, Olivia Cook as Jane, the possibly possessed, possibly mentally yeah. ill... Uh, possibly telekinetic yeah. um yeah troubled young girls probably yeah. the safest way of explaining it. Uh, i thought she was good in this as well she was good and i also quite like i, I did like sam uh, claflin's yes. uh character who was the the kind of skeptical outsider cameraman who was yeah. brought into chronicle um yeah chronicle the experiment as they kept referring to uh, and he was a couple str- of the he other... was straight out of a 70s hammer horror as well wasn't he yeah exactly and actually um talking about good things the film did it actually felt like a 70s horror film um mm. which kind of, it reminded me a little bit um of the of the conjuring um for a number of reasons from last year i really enjoyed the conjuring last year um that was also 1970s also apparently inspired Mm. by true events although far more than this one which was inspired by true events but when you actually try and find any true events (laughs) it's inspired by it's absolutely impossible i googled it afterwards to go oh what's the true story behind this all i can seem to find on the first four pages of google is this film saying that it's inspired by true events but it does appear that there were some kind of um parapsychological uh professors and investigators at mm. oxford in the 70s and that's kind of where it's come from yeah. um but it, it did uh, like the country it really kind of not only summed up the 19 only felt like the 1970s but it actually felt like a horror film that was potentially made in the 1970s as well, mm. which I thought was quite, it was nicely done. It, it had, there were elements of um, uh, oh, The Wicker Man, mm. you know, not, you know, it just, it felt like that kind of film. It was a very, very different kind of film, but it, you, you could see them coming from the same lineage almost. And it did feel like a British 1970s horror film, which, which was good. Um, and they, I, I remember when the um, certificate came up at the beginning, uh, the BBFC, it was a 15, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, one of the warnings was um, excessive smoking or something like that. <laughs> it's just like, it was yeah, uh, it's, and it's it's really weird that they've got to put that in a kind of <laughs> in a thing that and and po- quite possibly the smoking is what stopped it getting a 12A. I don't know, but um, it's an odd one. Um, I do think the the main three performances are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the other thing, there is an element of found footage going on here. But as we've discussed before, it passes my test because there is a very, very good reason for that. Food. And also, it 
it actually doesn't feel like a big part of the film. Yeah, either. it's not. It it's not reliant it's, on it, is it? It's 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 chucked in here and there, and it's it kind of yeah, it doesn't feel like a. It's not a found footage film in that sense. Um, it's just that during the course of this film, someone records some stuff that happens, and you get to see it from that viewpoint. That that's it really. Yeah. Um, Which I quite like because the way they made it look like old film, you know. Uh, exactly but then there was one really weird bit which looked like it was being filmed by the cameraman and then he turned up in the background and i was like hang on that's a bit weird because that bit actually really looked like it was being filmed (laughs) by the cameraman but um but i think you it sounds to me we've skirted around it you you said it's meant to be a jump scare Mm -hmm. horror film it it was creepy rather than scary uh and i think the film was at its best in the first 45 minutes to an hour setting up you know it was genuinely creepy and unnerving mm-hmm. um for the first hour and i think a bit like sinister which i will which was all right uh, a bit like the conjuring which i really liked but still suffered this problem the moment that it kind of like gives away the game the film becomes silly and it becomes a bit you kind of then right okay let's let's end this now yeah you kind of know where it's going and it's it's just then a case of sticking with it until it reaches that point but um i I was a little bit worried when you know every scene would sort of end with a you know a clap or a a pop of a champagne cork yeah it that would be like the bookend for each scene um and i've kind of got the feeling that it wasn't going to be a scary film. It was just going to be one that every so often would have a loud noise in it or yeah. some something in the background. Is that really there or isn't it there? Is that really in the mirror? Is that a person? What is that sort of thing? You know, and, and that's, yeah. that's fine in some ways. I think for a lot of people um, who aren't as like hardened horror cinema goers mm. as perhaps we are, you know, I mean, we mm-hmm. as a collective don't see that many in the cinema, no. you know, but um for the general public, I still think that's quite a... It's an easy tactic to mm. make people... Oh, yeah. Just to, you know, make them jump. And I think it is quite a legitimate tactic to heighten the tension in a mm-hmm. film, particularly one that is reliant on its atmosphere, to put yeah. a couple of those nice little jumps in to yeah. get you off your seat, you know. It, it's fine. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it, it does go a little bit overboard with those yeah I, I feel it's kind of got to lead somewhere a little bit yeah. and this one didn't quite and there are a few where like something like that happens and no one comments on it or mm. it just moves on really quickly and yeah it just seems especially in the middle seems a little bit kind of hurried through in a few scenes that kind of you go well why is it, why was that scene even there yeah. i don't i mean quite it, realize what we spent the last four <laughs> minutes looking at you it know gets, that was it gets quite comedic doesn't it with the excuses yeah. that come up for the noises and stuff and i just think yes well yeah. you know they're kind of running out of ideas it's getting a little bit sketchy you know but uh, yes yeah did, and, and i'd say it's it's a, it's quite a nice homage to 70s horror films but when you actually if you stuck it next to something like the exorcist something like um the Omen, uh, something like, I oh know it's, well, it's late 60s, but Rosemary's Baby, they kind of ratchet up, ratchet up, ratchet up, and don't let up once their big reveal is out. You know, The Exorcist famously, you know, that, that you know, creepy, 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 and then, oh my God, this is absolutely horrible kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas this creepy, 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 uh, oh yeah, that's a bit laughable. <laughs> you know, and that, I think that's, but that's, you know, that is really difficult to do. That, I, I, yeah. Yeah, very very few 
horror films are genuinely original and brilliant in that last kind of 20 minutes Mm. and more often than not certainly for me um you just want them to at least you know just deal with that bit competently um uh and and yeah it's do you know what if if someone said i like horror films i'd say definitely go and see it but if you're not a big fan of horror this isn't going to change your mind well yeah but it's people not, it's not even horror you know it, it's yeah it, it's a it's a weird one it's but i quite liked it i think if you like old hammer horror films as well you yeah. know if you like twins of evil if you like the horror of frankenstein if you like um all those sort of films then you'll probably like this as well i imagine i think i need to investigate more more old school hammer because i've only ever really seen a few late night on television yeah. and i and and yeah I, I i want if if they're a bit like this but kind of more authentic and actually were filmed at the time then yeah i think i might have to go back and yeah. have a look at some of those yeah it's a, i think it's a it's a it, i'm quite supportive of hammer at the minute i think um I think this is only the second like British one they've done. You know, they've done a few others in their revival, but I think this the woman in black and then this one are the kind of period British yeah. horrors. So yeah, I I mean I I would like them to to carry on in this um carry on the momentum from these two films because they've been not massively successful, but yeah, it, it's an inkling I, of what what potential they they have. Yeah. I think. And you know what? It was probably made for peanuts mm. and it will make its money. As we were talking about earlier in the podcast about the, the horror genre, the fans of the horror genre being loyal. And it's a really good business model, actually. If you're going to work in a genre at a low budget, then horror is the one to do it. And uh, yeah, it, it's nice to see a British, you know, a, a real British studio doing something like that at the moment. So mm. fair play to them. Best of luck. Okay, the next uh, new release to review is The Raid 2. Um, we could have a clip of this, but there isn't really much point because it's all in... Uh... It, it, it would either be in a language you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, Rich, again, doesn't... There you go, there's, there's your clip. Um, doesn't really work on podcasts, does it? <laughs> yeah, well, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the raid two. Um, Steve, you've not had a chance to see it, have you? No. Because if you can't, that's, I, yeah, you you really liked the first one as well, didn't you? I think we all we all really enjoyed it. So yeah, the raid two, uh, directed again by Gareth Evans, starring Eco uh, Uwais as uh, the uh, the well the SWAT cop in the first film, Rama, now an undercover uh, police officer, um, Arafin Putra, uh, and also um, returning. Uh, Mad Dog from the raid, who um, uh, in a different as a different character in this one. Yaya, is it Roy Han? Does that seem right, Owen? Uh, I've no idea. You're yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, yeah, the raid two uh, was originally planned. Uh, it's the raid two Berendal, uh, which means thugs uh, in the Indonesian dialect that they are uh, using. Um, yeah, this was the original film that Evans wanted to make, wasn't it? With um, mm. Oasis, but they had to abandon it when financing fell through decided to make the raid and then apparently during the production of the raid thought oh maybe the two films can link um so that's that's quite handy as well um so what i will say is it pretty much deals with that link in the first five minutes and yes this, for all intents and purposes this could just be an, another eco waste <laughs> uh 
film. Um, but I do, but I do, I do, he is playing Rama though. He is playing, yeah, he is playing his character. Um, and it is a very different film to its predecessor. For a start, it's, it's not a 19 minute claustrophobic action film. It's still very much an action film. And I keep seeing this stupid, um, this stupid tag, well, no, this review that they keep using on all the posters saying that this is the dark night of action films, which, what? Uh, Really confu- well, yeah, if if you look at yeah, the Dark Knight is an action. Yeah, film. what else could it be? <laughs> it's the Die Hard of action films. <laughs> Fucking what? ridiculous. But any, yeah, no. Um, and, and and the Dark Knight is such a weird choice as well. Yeah. Um, it's nothing. Like- but yeah. What what the fuck are they talking about? Seriously, <laughs> I'm very confused. If you have a look at um yeah the, find the UK poster the one that's got a load of different reviews on it and one of them says the Dark Knight of action films absolutely ludicrous but anyway this is a very very different film uh to the original one it's uh I think it's far more ambitious in scope and narrative uh and actually I think it tries to give a lot more meaning to its brutal explosions of violence at times actually uh there's a lot more characterization um. And what I did find, actually, I've, I've found odd this time, and actually a bit disingenuous from some people. The first film, some people have criticised it for its lack of plot, saying it's just 90 minutes, it's got no plot, uh, in the way that some people criticise Gravity as well. Very, very similar thing. If it apparently, if it's a short film and it just concentrates a lot on its action, well, it's got no plot. And then this one has been criticised in some quarters for being overcomplicated and too long and... I, I can't actually reconcile either of those points of view because this is 50 minutes longer than the first film and that 50 minutes is all that characterization and plot that everyone was moaning wasn't in the first one. So I don't understand. It's almost like they can't win, um, which is annoying because it it's a great film and I'll, I'll let you talk for a bit, Owen, because I, I feel like I've monopolised the conversation there. That, I mean, you've pretty much covered most of what what my thoughts on it are anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the, it's one of those films that I think I said, because uh, I saw it a couple of weeks ago now, I saw it at the preview, and I said at the at the time, it's if you if you can remember how good the raid was, you've just got to basically imagine those scenes again, but even more gruesome, even mm-hmm. more brutal, uh, yeah. increasingly intense as it goes on. Yeah. Much bigger budget. Um, you know, we, you've talked about earlier in the podcast about a bittersweet life, and I think it's mm, got yeah. that kind of. Uh, uh, we, that's, that film itself is quite brutal. You know, there's yeah. a lot oh, of yeah. violence in that film, but yeah. at the same time, that's got quite a clever, sophisticated story um, mm-hmm. about inner gang life. You know, and, and vengeance and, and revenge yeah, yeah. and what. Oh, no. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. And this tries to incorporate that. I don't think it quite does as, as good a job as um, some of the films it's it's trying to to be no. like. You know, it's not it's not going to be Infernal Affairs level of no. uh, complexity. Of, no, no, exactly right. But, but none of those films have got the action. But none of those have got this, these action got. scenes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the stuff that The Raid does, too. Uh, better than any other film is the action and that's kind of what we expected it's what we wanted um yeah and, and they, delivered. they delivered it they really really and it was quite interesting apparently a lot most of these um scenes were choreographed before they even made the raid again when they were in uh pre-production for berendella originally loads of these scenes are exactly how they pictured them 
three or four years ago, mm. which is which is great. And it's really like they kept a load of scenes back, obviously, because it's a very different film. But there's a few, you know, the prison yard uh, riot, for mm. example, which I've seen <laughs> described somewhere as looking like it was filmed by Kurosawa, which is, you know, wow, A, what a compliment. And B, I'd read that before I went in to watch it. So I kind of looked at it and thought, actually, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. You could, you, it does look like, um, you know, Seven Samurai or Yujimbo, mm. except. Yeah, and because there's no guns in that bit as well. Fantastic scene that. Um, and yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. The the action scenes are just incredible. And again, um, same as the raid, the editing, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, and I thought it was really noticeable. The very first credit that comes up at the end of the film says um, directed, written, and edited by gareth evans that's the very first thing and it's very rare you see that kind of and that shows a how important he feels the editing process it you know takes it really seriously uh, and it's brilliant because in the first one I remember reading at the time about how the fight scenes were choreographed using rhythm as a key mm. um and and the editing comes across in that way that you know the, the the edits are very much to a really nice rhythm and the most important thing and it's, it's so it's so bad how so many people get this so wrong is you could tell exactly what was happening in every fight scene. Yeah. At at no point did you go, Oh, hang on. Who's just hit who, who's got the upper hand here. You knew exactly how these fight scenes were playing out. And there's fight scenes in some really confined spaces. um, But there's also some really big epic fight scenes as well. And each and every single one of those, is just none of them go on too long they are perfectly paced they are perfectly timed and for a film that has action scene after action scene after action scene and certainly the second the, the last hour the, of the, the film, second half definitely yeah my god it's just action and you get no fatigue what's no. I, oh, I certainly didn't i didn't get any fatigue from that because each one was different each one then added new layers to the previous one and because of um, the characterization work they put in in the first hour, as long as you're paying attention, I, I think some people say, oh, it's really difficult to follow. And I just think, well, it's because you're not well, paying it's attention. It's not really. Then. It's not that complicated. It's not really that. And I, I don't know if there's an element of, well, yeah, but they've all got funny not English names or something. I don't know if, <laughs> you know, if they were using names like Smith and Jones and stuff like that, maybe people would find it easier. I don't know. But the, the, that was a criticism I heard. And I found, find that difficult to reconcile. It, it's a film that treats you as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and it expects you to keep up a little bit and that's fine but yeah that characterization work they do in the first hour pays off in the second hour because you actually care about these fight scenes it's not like some films of this nature that i've seen over the last kind of two decades where um it's fight scene after fight scene and it's basically just your protagonist who you're meant to like but regardless of any characterization well it's the protagonist so you've got to like him just fighting off faceless faceless foes for an hour that gives you fatigue because you really just don't care whereas in this film you genuine you're invested in each and every single one of those fight scenes well it's just like uh well it is performance art isn't it i mean mm. you know each fight is telling its own story and it, yeah. you know you could watch each bit of that film individually you could take out each of those fight scenes and watch them individually and you would probably get a full story just from that bit mm. you know it, it, it it's just impressive how yeah. someone can not just like 
write what happens during the fight and then choreograph the fight and then pull it all together and then make it watchable and then insert it into a larger story and it's still impressive it's just yes it's just that's the only sort of word that that really describes what it is is it's, it's impressive it impressed me to the point where i was sitting there in the cinema with my mouth open and suddenly caught myself yeah. going oh i've got my gob hanging open at the minute yes <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. exactly and some moments where i physically recoiled and winced oh, yes. and kind of went oh like that i love that sound in the cinema just a collective yeah, yeah. Like, and, and <laughs> yeah my screening was actually relative was over half full uh, on a Sunday evening, and that was quite nice because I did get that oh oh kind of thing, and it, that was great yeah. fun. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. The other thing is, well, you know, going back to those characters, obviously you've got Eco Wace uh, as Rama, really charismatic in this, um, gets to show some more range compared to that first film. And we were having a chat as well, I think, on the Football Three Six Five Four about how you know he could be a really huge star could be um and i actually wrote in my notes before we even had that conversation as long as his english turns out to be okay um uh, there is and the then threat we... that he could you know do a sort of on back isn't there really where he yeah, threatens exactly. to break through and be the new bruce lee and yeah. then kind of dies away and and you know even god love him uh my my hero growing up as a teenager chow young fat mm. who an incredible actor in Hong Kong films, you know, genuinely incredible actor, um, never really kind of crossed over to, he, yeah, he was in some English language films, but they didn't really do much at all. Um, so that, that, yeah, there is that element, but, um, was it Matt who, no, it was someone on the, I, you know, I feel really bad because I'm not crediting <laughs> whoever it was. Was it Los Bandidos on the football three, six, five form who said that, uh, as long as his English is good and he's got, um, He's got good chemistry with Chris Tucker, uh, <laughs> yeah, which, which, which then uh, which then we, we did think, actually, yeah, just reboot Rush Hour. And both <laughs> of us came up with Eco Waste and Aziz Ansari uh, for the new Rush Hour. And I think that would be that would be incredible. It's like but Steve's yeah, diehard ideas. Just give Steve yeah. the money now for Die Hard. We'll have the money for the Rush Hour reboot. For the new Thank Rush Hour reboots. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's just perfect casting. But <laughs> the great thing is as well. Uh, again, like I said, unlike some of the previous films of this ilk, um, there were other people to, even though they were bad guys, to kind of cheer on. Um, we had, uh, oh, I said it, uh, yeah, Yayan Ruhan um, return. Mm. You know, we loved him as Mad Dog in the raid. He returned, had a a smallish role in this uh, as Procoso, but again, a different type of role. And you got to see him do some awesome uh awesome fight scene yeah. uh choreography um characters who have you know have been kind of briefly trailed in the trailer uh like hammer girl and her base bat wielding brother as well who are clearly destined to become cult cinema mm. classic characters uh will probably people will dress up as them in years oh, to yeah, you know yeah, yeah it's they, they are proper go- and and what i would say i was really impressed by um arafin putra as Uko, who was uh, the 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 gangland boss's son, who mm. kind of Rama. I, I thought he did a really really good job in that role as well, and, and that was the thing that came across to me that there were some really good performances um, and some good characters, and it was just more than and anyone who thought the raid was just a load of shooting up in a tower block. Which, to be honest, I loved it for that. That's all I wanted the raid to be. Um, but if anyone thought, well, it's just it was just a load of shooting and stuff like that. 
this that gives you that gangster that epic kind of gangster backstory as well mm-hmm. so um and it also uh, i mean just on a, a point there about the um terrible okay they used that in the first mm. one they used the location in this one very good uh, very well as mm. as well you know it's 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 a, a city that's explored rather than just mm. the, the background to some fight scenes yeah it's, it's you get the scale to the city and yeah. uh, how in control this gang are and the, the gang wars that are going on and you know, I think that was also really impressive, and it's um, yeah. it shows that he, that Gareth Evans and uh, is not just a good action director; he can write a, a good story mm-hmm. as well. He can make yeah. use of these these different locations, and whether it's set in a small block like uh, like the first raid, or whether it's across the city, mm-hmm. you, you can do it, and it's possible. Yeah, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, one of the other films that it reminded me of, and it's just because of the way that they've they've unfolded, is you know. Die Hard is set in a tail block, mm. and then you've got Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third film, which is set across yeah. the city. It's a similar sort of thing, really. And I can, mm-hmm. I can see people, um, they might not like The Raid 2 because of that. You know, one of the things that was great about The Raid was yeah. it was just a raid in a tail block. Yeah. And that's that's part of what made it so great yeah. um, because of this like smaller scale. Uh, but you know what? I think... I think that it's just a, a really interestingly shot action film, and I, I think the way they use the locations is is, mm. is it's inventive, it's creative. Yeah, it's something yeah, different. Yeah, you 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 get a sense of um, Jakarta as mm. a city, mm. which is which is great, um, and, and also it does you know it opens up a whole universe and. You watch this and it's not spoiling anything because Gareth Evans has already said he wants it to be a trilogy. But you you kind of get to the end of this and go, right, I can kind of see where this story might go next in a, in a positive kind of oh, I want to see where it goes next way. Not, oh, they've really set that up for a sequel. But you go, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm enjoying being in this environment and I want to see Gareth Evans before Hollywood starts throwing a load more money at it because they will. Yeah, well, they'll um, remake it well yeah they'll remake yeah well there's that but you know some smart person in hollywood is going to get gareth evans to start making some hollywood films as well um but i i hope that he makes he gets a chance to make the raid three in the next few years because it it really deserves it to be honest Mm -hmm. and then what an all-nighter kind of (laughs) cinema triple build that's going to be when probably the prince uh prince charles cinema in uh london yeah uh, stages it. Uh, on one of my favourite films of the year so far, De- definitely. Yes. Um, I, I'm I'm it's, I'm having a really great film for year already. Um, so the fact that it's even in my, I'm just going to say top five. I don't know how to order them at the moment. But this is, I I don't know how this film could be much better, and that's about the best praise I can give yeah. it. I mean, the, yeah, the 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 story could perhaps be a bit tighter. Um, and I think character some of the characterization of the support characters could have been a little bit better but like you say it's just a thoroughly enjoyable yeah. action film and there isn't really anything that you'd want to change because it's just fine the way it is um i think i can't remember oh, yeah, I say, if someone, it is it, if someone could merge you know kind of godfather stroke uh goodfellas or infernal affairs style characterization with this action yeah that probably would be the perfect film yeah um this gets pretty close. It's pretty close. Okay, so the raid two, go and watch it. Essentially, 
pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can also go on to uh, feldcritics.com and have a look at Callum's review of it from a couple of weeks ago, and he saw it the same night as Owen as well. Uh, Callum says pretty much the same as us, actually, but in a in a kind of funnier way. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Okay. Uh, all that's left, really, then, is for our recommendations for the week ahead. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released, which should be Thursday, Thursday. on Film 4, Doubleheader, Iron Man at 9 o'clock and at 25 past 11 once Iron Man finished in Glorious Bastards. It's good. Uh, yeah, good. interesting double bill. Yeah. Oh, in Worth staying up for if you've got the Friday off, if you're yes. on the Bank Holiday Friday. Um, yeah, I'm picking a film. I've only just noticed that it's on. Amazon Prime Instant Video or whatever they call it now was Love Film. There it's Amazon thingy my bob. Uh, Alan Partridge Alpha Papa is on there. So oh really? Yeah. Okay. So if if you've got a Prime Instant Video account, then you have no excuse to watch what was one of mm. our favourite films of the year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, finished top three in our uh, thing, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And yourself, James. Um, I'm going to go for a film that I've only seen the first 10 minutes of. Um, but, and I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, but I think it looks really interesting. It's the documentary on US Netflix called Milius uh, about the the life and career of the screenwriter and film director John Milius, who directed uh, Conan the Barbarian, uh, Red Dawn, and also wrote the script for Apocalypse Now and did script work on Jaws, wrote the um, USS Indianapolis speech in Jaws, basically, uh, was the man who wrote uh, Do You Feel Lucky in the Dirty Harry, in um, which one? That one's Dirty Harry, Dirty Harry, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's Magnum Forces the sequel, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, and you think, well, brilliant, why, why haven't more people kind of, why isn't he more of a household name? Turns out he's a bit of a, kind of psycho right winger in real life so uh this uh documentary is kind of looking at that dichotomy of uh, he, he seems to be very much a man's man there's a lot of pictures of him posing with guns in hunting gear um and I, i'm looking forward to watching this and thinking about how i can cross that bridge between uh, and can you cross cross that bridge between loving someone's art and thinking that as a person they're a bit of a dick so that'll be really interesting <coughs> morrissey <coughs> Uh, yeah yeah that's true actually yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it's i I do like a good documentary about film so this seems as good as any to get my teeth stuck into and i think i'd also it's because i got a recommendation i saw that again the twitter person that i mentioned earlier in the podcast the reviewer scott weinberg um watched it at the weekend and was raving about it at the weekend so i thought i'd give it a go Okay, um, well, that's all for, for this week's podcast. Um, James, don't you have something to say to our listeners, kind of? Yeah, I've been, I've been teasing a little bit, yeah. Um, um, next week, uh, I, I may not be here next week because we are rapidly approaching D-Day of the birth of our second child. Um, so I'm, I may not be here for a little bit. Uh, for I'll, I'll still be keeping an eye on things and hopefully editing and publishing and stuff like that but there will be no time for writing and precious little time for podcasting or even i don't know watching films that's that's the biggest worry i've got uh, is am i actually going to see a film in the next few months i no idea um so i i'm i'm bidding 
it's not it's not adieu is it it's au revoir that's that's the one uh adieu adieu's the one where you say i'm fucking off isn't it but au revoir i'll see you soon i'm sure that's why i got i didn't do french at gcc <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, and it, I'm not just choosing next week because it's The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and I didn't like the first one, so <laughs> I want to try and avoid this one because I am going to watch it and I may be here. But uh, yeah, this is the last time I'm definitely here for a few weeks, potentially a couple of months, I don't know. Um, it's going to be weird not having our weekly chats. I'm going to miss you guys. Yeah, we'll miss you too, James. But we're also yeah, going to get some of our good friends back, aren't we? We'll get yeah, Callum, yes, exactly. Carol, Matt, so, and so on. So. And, and maybe Jerry, despite the fact Jerry was meant to be coming back last week, and then what did he do? What was his excuse last week? <laughs> he fell asleep or he forgot or something. Because Jerry was meant to be making a massive comeback last week and then didn't turn up. He's just teasing us. It's a tease. I know. Yeah. So, te- yeah, yeah. Jerry, who knows? You may even get Jerry back. So uh, I'm, I know that I'm leaving the podcast in very good hands, and it'll probably be better for a couple of months. <laughs> so uh, enjoy it while it lasts, because I will be back. Any any ideas on on names yet for the, for the child? Um, I, uh, Rama. Um, <laughs> e- Eco. <laughs> I'm very much in a in a raid uh, kind of mood at the moment. That's going, probably not the best. Going for any film film related names? Uh, no, no. Um, I've, I've got a few names in mind. Um, none of them film related, actually. Uh, they're more likely. I, I keep trying to work out if I can relate any to the um, promotion winning Leicester City side at the moment. But yeah, you know, they all caught. Yeah, you know, like Nigel doesn't really work. <laughs> a baby's name Casper yeah could go Casper yeah you could name name him after um Dave Nugent and just call him the difference <laughs> I, do, I like the idea of calling my baby the <laughs> hashtag, hashtag the different <laughs> excellent so yeah it's um obviously I, I can't wait to get back. Or, or I uh, thought it was uh going to be Steve and Owen Diamond. Oh God. Owen and Steve Diamond maybe. Seems got uh, a bit of ring to it. I tell you what, whoever <laughs> wins the quiz next week, let me know and I'll I'll just put it round the order Who, that the winner chooses. <laughs> whoever whoever wins the the next round of the quiz, now it's one all between me and Owen. Whoever wins is is godparent. Is that right? Yeah, I, I believe that that's correct. Um, I think, yeah, in case of parents dying, you are legal guardians. That, that's so. that's verbal contract, Owen. So, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really important that whoever does the quiz next week... It's you not know, me, basically. Yeah. <laughs> whoever oh, wins God. is not me, so... Maybe it would be the making of you, I reckon, Steve. It's That's a film in itself, isn't it? The, uh, the, the, the slightly jokingly sexist single... Uh, podcast yeah. host who uh, suddenly has to start looking after a baby that's got 80s <laughs> it just romp just written all over it just been the baby off after two weeks <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting bored of it i mean what can they do <laughs> just just come back when they're 16 and got some kind of talent i can make some money off of and that's that's what i want <laughs> <laughs> there's so many ways that could be taken horribly <laughs> I'm going to assume that you didn't mean it like that. No, I meant, you know, I'll have a child and then I have nothing to do with them until they've got some kind of talent that I can exploit for my own personal gain. Yeah, still sounds dodgy. It's a bit weird. (laughs) I think it was the fact that you mentioned 16. (laughs) 
Well, not going to be have much talent before that, are they? Probably. <laughs> I mean, look what happens to child stars. Nothing, you know. Look at Macaulay Culkin. I don't want that. Well, that's maybe you need to pay a bit more attention early on, and then bin them off when they become adults. <laughs> You're no use to me anymore. You're no longer a child star. Well, yeah. look, I've obviously not thought parenting through. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Not it's not my agenda at the moment. No. I promise no. I will do my best to win the quiz next week, James. Yes, thank <laughs> you. I don't actually think this is actually gonna happen though. I don't think the winner of the quiz so. is gonna be godparent somehow. You like you say it's verbal agreement, I will I will chase this up. This is yeah, we'll, we'll do the um we'll do the ceremony live on the podcast when I return. A, li- a, a live christening. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast gold. Anyway, uh, let's, let's end it from here. Yeah, um, let's uh, end it. Me, just now. Me, me and Owen will be back next week. Um, James James won't, but me and Owen will be back. So thanks to everyone who's listened um, and contributed anyway to the podcast. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.